All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the chapel. For those of you who don't know me, my name is John Dara, and I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Normally, we have Pastor Dave preaching here on Sunday mornings. Pastor Dave is out on vacation, and so when the board of elders found this out, they they scrambled, they panicked, they said, who's going to preach on Sunday? So what the elders ended up doing was they actually called together an emergency meeting, and at that meeting, the chief elder of the Supreme Court raised his hand and said, we need to find the next best-looking person on staff to come and preach. Should we close in prayer? Uh, So thank you all so much for being here today. Uh, You may have noticed as you walked in today that you saw some young faces serving as greeters, ushers, uh, a welcome desk in, in the band. Today we are highlighting Student and Young Adult Sunday, which is something that I'm so excited about, so fired up about that. I believe with all my heart that next generation ministry is the most important ministry in the entire church. And that when we as a congregation invest our time, our money, our energy, and our resources into the lives of young people, man, that's a good thing. It's a good thing for young people because a lot of them today are struggling a lot with anxiety, with depression, with suicidal ideation. And so for them to feel like they have a church community that loves them and cares for them, that's a big deal. For them to have mentors and older people to, to pour into them, that's huge as they're, as they're navigating through some of the challenges of, of adolescence. <clears throat> it's also good for the church because what we as a church do is we future-proof ourselves. You know, young people are not just the next generation, they're also the now, they're the present. And so I'm so excited to see them getting involved today and in the future, my hope is that these young kids will be our future pastors, elders, directors, ministry assistants, and key volunteers. Uh, So it's good for the church as well. And I just want to take a brief moment just to thank all of you who serve with young people, for those of you who serve in children's ministry, those of you who serve with middle school students, high school students, and young adults, thank you so much for all that you do. It just means a lot. Can we we show our appreciation? So today we're continuing our series on the book of Ephesians called Who Do You Think You Are? The title of today's sermon is You Are Powerful, and we're going to take a look at the end of Ephesians chapter 3. And you know, power is really an interesting concept. In our society, oftentimes, we associate powerful people as being people who are wealthy, people who are influential, maybe domineering, uh, boastful, self-serving. Sometimes we view them as being jerks. But with that being said, Christ-like power is something that is totally different. Whereas our fallen condition as human beings can oftentimes tempt us to pursue worldly power, Christ-like power actually contains other virtues. Christ-like power consists of humility. Christ-like power consists of love. And Christ-like power consists of hope. So with that being said, I want to turn our attention to Paul's words here. Uh, Paul is a man who is known for having a deep love and a deep passion for Christ. And he wasn't always like this, right? Some of you know, we see in Acts chapter 9, Paul has this conversion experience. And he he went from being someone who didn't like Christians, who persecuted them, to now being someone who deeply, deeply loves Jesus. Uh, And in the verses we're about to read, there's one detail that I want you all to keep in mind. Does anybody know where Paul was when he was writing this letter? He was in prison, yeah. Paul was in prison in Rome. 
So keep that in mind uh, you know, as, we, as we go through the words that he shares. So let's take a look. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. <clears throat> For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is God's word. So here what we see is that Paul wants the early Christians to have a deepened spiritual understanding, which is something that really all of us can benefit from. Paul's prayer is that his listeners will ultimately understand the fullness of Jesus' love. And how appropriate is this for us today? When I look out into society, I see a lot of chaos. I don't know if you feel that way too. I see divisiveness in politics. I see school shootings left and right. And I see racial tensions. You know, it blows my mind that racism is still a thing in our day and age. And my hope is that one day we will eradicate it completely. And so because of that, I believe that what our world needs the most is the love of Jesus. What our world needs the most is the grace of Jesus. What our world needs the most is the power of Jesus. The power to love others and to forgive them in the same way that God loves us and forgives us. As I mentioned earlier, I believed that the power of Jesus can be expressed in the following three ways. Humility, love, and hope. And those are the three points that we're going we're gonna to focus on today. So first, let's talk about humility. What is humility? How do we attain it? Uh, I want to show you a picture of, uh, this is a picture of the monastery that I go to a couple times per year. And one day I was there and I was hanging out with some of the monks. One was Father Robert, who's the head of the guest house. And then the second was Father Patrick, who is Father Robert's assistant. And as the three of us were talking, Father Robert looked at me and he said, Hey, John, did you know that Father Patrick was a rocket scientist before he became a monk? And I said, Really? That's awesome. That, that's, that's incredible, actually, the fact that he gave that all up to, to follow Jesus. And then Father Robert looks at me, looked at me and he said, you wouldn't expect that, right, just based on the way he looks. And so at that moment, the three of us burst into laughter, into monk-like laughter. <laughs> and it was just a, you know, like a, a fun, funny, lighthearted moment, but it caused me to stop and to realize something. If Father Robert never shared that detail about Father Patrick, I never would have known that he was a rocket scientist. Father Patrick exudes humility. So many of us, we walk around with our chest puffed up and we think that, you know, we're, uh, we're just amazing. But, you know, Father, uh, Father Patrick is not about himself. He is about uh, Jesus. Because his identity is so deeply rooted in Christ, what you see is humility. And that just really encourages me and inspires me. So if you go back to verses uh, 14 to 16, it says the following. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. 
I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So what we see here is Paul is saying, I am kneeling before the Father. If you look at other versions, other translations, in the NLT, it says, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father. And then in the ESV and in the NASB, it says, I bow my knees before the Father. What we're seeing here from Paul is this posture of humility. Paul's behavior is communicating an attitude of reverence and submission to God. And this is significant because, as I mentioned before, Paul used to be a huge jerk. He, he really was. But now his life was ultimately changed by the power of Christ, who himself modeled humility perfectly. If you take a look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, this is again Paul writing, talking about Jesus. He says this, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So what we see here is Jesus is literally God. And look at the ways in which he's humbling himself. So you have Jesus here, and then contrast that with the rest of us. We're definitely not God, and yet we often walk around thinking that we're the greatest thing since sliced bread. And it's, 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 it's just not the case. Uh, humility is so important, and we constantly need to re-remind ourselves of that. One of my favorite quotes is from an ancient French theologian named Francois Fenelon, and this is what he says. He writes, Every shadow of pride must be left behind. You cannot imagine how dangerous pride is, especially if it is that pride of wisdom and morality, which seems so right and kind. What an amazing reminder here of how toxic pride can truly be in our lives. And I want to ask you all a question. When people look at you, do they see the pride of man or do they see the humility of Jesus? When we display the humility of Jesus, that's a powerful thing. People see that and they notice that. Another expression of Christ-like power is love. If you go back to verse 17, it says the following. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So here, Paul's prayer is that the early Christians would have a fixed sense of the love of God. He wants them to know that the love of God is all they need in this world. It's all they need for happiness. It's all they need for joy. And similarly, I want all of you to be aware of God's love, which is an inward work of grace in our lives. Before going out and loving others, we first need to understand and internalize the fact that God loves us with such passion. And for some of you, this is really important, especially those of you who have been going to church for a long time, because you have this head knowledge that God loves you. But what I need you to do is to take that head knowledge and to go down 18 inches to your heart and truly understand and feel this reality that God exists and that he loves you. And it's not like the love of other people. 
It's amazing. It's powerful. It's strong. It's like nothing else in the world that I've, that I've ever seen. I want to show you a picture on the screen of uh, a lighter. You'll see here, uh, this is a picture that I really like because it reminds me of just how powerful God's love really is. It's, you know, God's love is like a fire that should awaken something inside of us. It should spark something. And the love of Christ is really something that should influence our daily attitudes, our decisions in life. You know, when we really get it and we fully understand just how much God cares about us, we then feel empowered and we feel emboldened to change the world for Jesus. This grace, though, it's not a license to sin. Rather, it's a call to humble ourselves and to repent. Repentance is a two-step process. We turn away from our sins and we turn towards Christ. So if we humble ourselves, if we repent, if we turn towards Christ and we follow Jesus with everything in us, that's power. That's a good, good thing. I've had the great blessing and privilege of being exposed to many different streams of Christianity. Catholic, Orthodox, Protestant, conservative, liberal, everything in between. And one of the things that saddens me is that I feel like wherever I go, it seems like less than 10% of the people there are truly spirit-filled. It seems like less than 10% of the people there are on fire for God and in love with him and passionate and wanting to change the world for the kingdom. And sometimes I wonder, why is that? Why is that the case? What if all of us in church were, were passionately in love with Jesus and we felt that fire inside of us, that energy, that passion, that joy? Think about what God could do through us. Friends, I don't want to live my life as a powerless Christian. What I want is for all of us to truly internalize God's love and then to go out and to share it with the people in our lives. People who need it. People who are broken. People who are lost. People who are hurting. That's what God wants us to do. The love of Jesus also reminds me of a story that I want to share with you. If you put the picture on the screen... Uh, a few months ago, a family member asked me to help out with some gardening. Can anybody guess what, what this is, what you're looking at? Let's go to the second picture. It'll give you a clearer look. It's actually an outdoor lamp. You see it now? So this picture shows the project that we were supposed to tackle. And you see now that it, it's a picture of a lamp, but it's, it's got some stuff, stuff in the way. Uh, you see that there are uh, leaves and roots, and it seems like these roots, they have a firm hold on the lamp. They're not just surrounding the lamp, now they're inside of the lamp. And I want you to imagine that this lamp is you. This lamp is your life. God designed you to be a light in this world, to be a light in a world that oftentimes feels dark. God designed you to be a light and to love people in a way that is sincere, in a way that is unconditional, and in a way that is pure. But like the lamp in this picture, so often there are things in our lives that get in the way. Whether it's living with dark secrets and unconfessed sin, whether it's holding on to bitterness and anger, unforgiveness, or whether it's simply loving other people, places, and things more than we love God, these roots can really establish a foothold in the garden of our souls. 
So in response, what we need to do as followers of Christ is we need to deal with our issues. We need to address our deepest emotional wounds. And we need to invite Christ to heal us, to receive his love, and then we we need to invite Christ to ultimately empower us to walk in the light and to walk in freedom and to walk this earth with spiritual authority. I've got one more picture for you. This is the final, final product. Pretty nice, huh? So after I cleaned out all of the, the twigs and the leaves, this is what the final product looked like. Isn't it beautiful? Because I made it a priority in my life to care for the lamp, now the lamp is restored. It's able to function in the way that it was originally designed. And in the same way, when we regularly tend to the garden of our souls and when we proactively deal with the emotional junk in our lives, we create a pathway for the Holy Spirit to come in and to fill us with God's love in a fresh new way. Then we can go out and we can be the lights in this world that God intended us to be. So we see that Christ-like power is expressed through humility. We see that Christ-like power is expressed through love. And now we're going to see Christ-like power is also expressed through hope. If you go back to the last few verses, Paul writes this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. What we see here is that Paul glorifies God because his hope is in God. Paul glorifies God because his hope is in God. And in a similar way, as a church, if we believe in God, and if we have hope in God, then we should glorify him in all that we do. So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do what? Do it all for the glory of God. Our passion for God should really be expressed through faithfulness to him, through faithfulness to the teachings of scripture, but the thing is, some of us struggle with this. Some of us struggle with hope because we're not even sure if God exists. Some of us have been through so much pain and so much suffering that we wonder why God would even allow certain things to happen in our lives. God, why would you allow me to go through this situation? And for me, working with young people, you know, young people regularly open up to me about the various challenges and struggles that they're facing. And while I don't have all the answers, one thing I do know is that for me personally, if I had never hit rock bottom in college, then I would not be standing here before you today. When I was struggling intensely with depression, with anxiety, with insomnia, with suicidal thoughts, those, those things actually caused me to attain a a deeper love for God. If we never go through suffering, guys, we don't need God. And we see this, right? We see this in our Western culture where we're so rich. Every day we have food to eat. Every day we have clothes to wear. We have higher education. All these things that we, we take for granted. And what we see is a lot of people are saying, I don't need God because I have all that I need. I can live on my own strength. And then for the Christians, what we see is a lack of a desperation for God. You know, in other countries, people have a deep desperation for God because they're relying on God for their next meal. God is all that, that they have 
God is all that they need. Something to think about. So for me, when I went through those incredibly painful seasons in my life, they actually strengthened my faith because they forced me to stop living for myself and to start living for God. Through deep emotional anguish, God began to slowly fill my heart with humility. Through deep emotional anguish, God slowly began to fill my heart with love. And finally, through deep emotional anguish, God began to fill my heart with hope. With this hope that God not only exists, but that he loves me and that he loves all of us more than we could ever think or imagine. It's almost incomprehensible. So before we wrap up, I want to ask all of you to do me a huge favor. Can you do me a favor? Sure. Okay. So this week, can you make it a point in your life to go out and to passionately love God more than you ever have in your entire life? And this week, can you make it a point to go out into the world and to love the people in your life more passionately than you ever have in your entire life? Let's be a church that is powerful because of the divine love that we have in our hearts. A love that is wide, a love that is long, a love that is high, and a love that is deep. We love because God first loved us. Now let's go out and let's change the world for Jesus Christ. Would you rise as we close in prayer? Please pray with me. God, thank you so much for who you are, Lord. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy, for your kindness, for your grace. God, thank you for this reminder that you love us. No matter what we've been through, no matter what mistakes we've made, God, you love us. And I pray that you would, you would light up a spark and a fire inside of us to love you more than we ever have in our entire lives, even if it feels like life is falling apart, Lord. I pray that you be with each person here, God. You know their stories. You know their struggles. And that you would fill them with so much love that they have no choice to go out and to care for the people in their lives, even those who, are, who may be difficult or hard to love, God. Lord, thank you for each person here. We love you so, so, so much. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One, qu- one quick announcement before you go. Uh, this week is CKC and Impact Games. So if you can help, up, help out with setup, there, uh, Josh Horn is going to be in the lobby. So if you, can, if you can go meet him and help him out with that, we really appreciate it. Thank you and have a great week.